0: Mike Ling
1: and I'm Charles Lee
0: and you're listening to the Grok Science Show
1: that's right it's a weekly look at the world of science technology and the effects on our daily lives coming up on today's program Rachel Katz will join us to discuss the emotionally intelligent child
0: so stay tuned for all of this
1: plus the Grokatron 5000
0: and our world famous question of the week
1: coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show Science show. Well, as the pandemic begins to ease, our children are left learning new social tools and skills that parents of young children have just taken for granted only three short years ago. How do we play catch-up, and how do we raise emotionally intelligent children? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Rachel Katz. Ms. Katz teaches social and emotional learning skills to parents and children. She has over 25 years of teaching experience and is the former head of the Discovery School at the Bay Area Discovery Museum. She is also head of social and emotional learning for early years at Dulwich College. Together with her co-author, Dr. Helen Shui Hadani, she has penned the new book, The Emotionally Intelligent Child, Effective Strategies for Parenting Self-Aware, Cooperative, and Well-Balanced Kids. Ms. Katz, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Certainly a great book you put together here, The Emotionally Intelligent Child, where you talk about the science behind raising emotionally intelligent children. I'm curious why you decided to put the book together.
2: So Helen and I actually decided to do it together because at the uh, Bay Area Discovery Museum, where we were running a lab school, we were tasked with finding research and putting it into applied practice on creativity. And what we were discovering was that young children weren't so much as interested in their creativity as they were in their emotions and their emotional intelligence. And so we decided to take a little bit of a shift on the research that we were doing. And we decided to start to look at and to ask children really specific questions about their emotions and specific questions about how they thought their friends were processing their emotions. And that just led to a ton of interesting discoveries and techniques that we started to use in the school and that we started to share with parents and the larger community and we just thought we wanted to share what we learned with a wider audience. And we also had at our fingertips a lot of really interesting child development research that is not available for a lot of parents. It's not something that you find unless you're doing like really deep searches to try to understand how does my child develop their feelings? What does language development look like? Some of those things just don't come up for parents, but yet when you know these things, you can understand a lot more about your child's actions. So we decided to put this book together for those two purposes, to share and to share our discoveries
1: question that obviously comes up, is my child at the right spot in terms of their emotional development? And are they learning the skills necessary to become emotionally intelligent?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great, those are some great questions and some good observations. So what we like to think about when we talk about emotional intelligence and child development is that every child is unique and you know we hear this all the time but really our development the way we process the world the way we think the way we see the way we feel things you know our perception is all unique to us and we are all human beings not just children you know children adults we're just on this incredible continuum of development And I think it's important to look at your child through that lens. Where is my child right now, as opposed to comparing your child and where you think they should be, because that can make you a little bit nervous as a parent. And in terms of emotional intelligence, emotions are something we can't really see. We don't know a person's internal landscape, but we see their actions. So we have to sort of help our child to understand how their actions might impact others and also to help our child understand that they do have this inner world of feelings and thoughts. It's just super important to always be looking at your child and sort of asking yourself, where is my child at? Because the moment we start to compare and sort of fear, feel that our child is either, you know, behind or ahead in something, then we have all these expectations for our child. And that while it's great to want your child to achieve certain things we're these incredible human organisms and we're very holistic in the way that we develop so while we might be very far ahead in one thing you know there are other things that need to be catching up so when you just look at your child through this idea of, they're on this continuum where are they at now with a deep curiosity and a wonder about how they're developing how they're processing the world and then giving them the tools to be able to talk about what they're experiencing or to show what they're experiencing if they're not someone who's necessarily interested in talking so much. You know, maybe you can draw pictures or, you know, there's other ways to communicate and to understand where your child is in in regards to their emotional development.
1: This is the area where a lot of parents want some guidance. You describe a lot of steps that are involved in working through some issues. I'm curious if there are any broad frameworks for parents approaching various types of
2: issues. So in our book, The Emotionally Intelligent Child, Effective Strategies for Parenting Self-Aware, Cooperative, and Well-Balanced Kids, what we've done is we took the book and we split it into two parts. The first part of the book is a lot of this development and explaining this continuum of human development that I'm mentioning to you. And we look in particular at the development of theory of mind, you know, how a child begins to realize that they are a thinking, feeling person and that other people around them are thinking, feeling people, but that we have different thoughts, feelings and beliefs and perceptions and that it's happening all the time. So we go into great detail to talk about theory of mind. Then we talk about the development of language, and then we talk about executive function. And then we look at how culture and context will impact all of, will sort of impact this development. The second part of the book, we say, okay, now that we've front-loaded you with a lot of this research, and to be able to think differently about your child, to think of them along these lines of development, we give you the MIND framework. And it's a very useful tool And it's, we call it the MIND framework because it's an acronym that stands for mindfulness, inquiry, non-judgment, and decide, sort of deciding how you're going to respond to your child in the end. We give this framework to parents and we teach them how to use it themselves. And once they feel a sense of comfort with the framework, we then offer the tools to teach the exact same framework to their child so that a parent and child in the home environment or you know out and about can have their the same toolkit and so they can work together and that was really our approach with this book coming from this sort of research and science end but then a very practical applied approach with the mind framework
1: a lot of listening and thinking before reacting to child's emotional needs it's listening and communicating
2: Absolutely. I mean, so much about it is listening and communicating. And you do bring up a good point. As parents, we're very busy people. We have a lot that we're doing. We have a lot that we're juggling. And sometimes it's hard to be that patient, non-reactive person that we'd like to be. And we fully accept that and understand that. And we don't tell you in this book how to parent. We just give you a framework and a way to try to be as less reactive or when you are reactive to understand that you can go back at any time and talk to your child about your reaction to something and explain to them what it is, why it is that you reacted in a way and help them to understand your response to their behavior.
1: Do you find that the strategy has to be modified somewhat depending on the age of the child?
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, a young child, in our book, the science part, the part one of the book, we explain this continuum of development. And you'll understand, let's use language development, for example. We explain sort of how, if you're going to use this framework and you want to talk with your child, but you have a three-year-old or even a two-year-old that doesn't have that much language development and is really just looking and processing your feelings and trying to understand how they feel through what your face looks like and through mostly what your body language looks like. And they're trying to match, trying to determine the meaning of your response by your body language. We then talk about how you can communicate and talk with a child based on using more body language and less language or choosing language that would be appropriate and useful for the age and the development of your child. How
1: do you think the schools are doing now in terms of implementing social emotional learning elements into their curriculum?
2: I think schools have come a really long way. There's lots of great programs that are available and they really, the curriculums are developed and designed. They're almost, I hate to use this word sort of spoon fed, but it does allow a teacher to, you know, just open a curriculum. It will give you the questions that you can ask. It will, they'll explain what it is that you're looking for, the objectives of the particular programs or the particular assignment that you're working on for that day or that week or that month. I think what becomes difficult is the size of the group that you're working with. You know, when you have one teacher to let's say, 20-plus children that are all experiencing different feelings and emotions and coming to school with different experiences and from different backgrounds. It is a lot of work for a teacher to be present to all of that. So I think it's important to know that our teachers are trying their best and these programs are designed well, but sometimes the execution can be hard just because of the context and the circumstance. Also, if you're a parent that's really interested and curious about the program that's being offered in your child's school, go and ask about it. Find out what the techniques are, what the teachings are, what some of the skill sets that your child is learning so that you can use the same thing at home because that continuity between home and school is so helpful for a child. They just feel like they're not having to switch to go back and forth with, okay, this is what the school expects from me, this is how I deal with my emotions at school, and at home, you know, this is how my family is talking with me. So, again, keeping that consistency is really useful for the child. Then they get to practice what it is that they're learning in school as well as at home.
1: What do you find are usually the biggest challenges that parents and children face in terms of discussing these types of emotional issues?
2: Um, I think really a big challenge is just time. You know, we're all really busy. And if you think about a parent's day, there's just so many things that you're trying to balance. You know, you come home, most of us are working, uh, we come home, we have tasks at home that we have to deal with, you have bills to pay, you have meals to cook, clothes to wash, there's just so many things that we're juggling. And then when our children have emotional issues it can just feel overwhelming it's almost the feeling of like wow how do i deal with this too and sometimes that overwhelming feeling and it's natural it turns into a frustration or it turns into it can turn into an anger sometimes which then as much as we want to be there for our child and support them emotionally sometimes we're doing the opposite you know because we just feel overwhelmed and then we get angry and then we react And then you go to bed at night and you just feel like, oh, my God, what kind of parent am I? So time is really, you know, if you can set aside some time to be with your child, to play with them, to talk with them, to let them sort of lead the way and guide you. Let's say if you want to, if they want to draw together or do some pretend play together or, you know ask you to be a firefighter or something and you play along with them. Just take that time to be with your child. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it's just the quality and the attention that you give to your child.
1: Other recommended resources that you would suggest for parents interested in this issue?
2: There's so many resources for parenting. I mean, another thing that I might recommend to parents if they're interested in reactive behavior and getting just learning how to get them themselves back to sort of a balanced feeling is I would recommend taking some mindfulness classes, or I might recommend you know doing something physical, giving yourself time to let's say, either go running or a yoga class or something that gives you a chance to just be in your body um, and just decompress, or to learn how to be more self-aware and pay attention those thoughts and those feelings and to know how to sort of calm yourself before reacting. So I think those resources are helpful. I really appreciate the time that we've spent together, and I appreciate your questions. So thank you so much for having me on your show.
1: We were just talking with Ms. Rachel Katz, together with Helen, Dr. Helen Hadani. They have penned the new book, The Emotionally Intelligent Child, Effective Strategies for Parenting Self-Aware, Cooperative, and Well-Balanced Kids. Ms. Katz, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show.
2: Thank you too. Have a great day.
0: And that's all for this week's edition of the Grox Science Show. Make
1: sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology.
0: If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at grox.net. For grok science, I'm Frank Ling.
1: And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.